now. Now I'm recording. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Uh, welcome to another episode of The Artistic Director with Jacob Alexander Ferg. I'm sitting here with Colleen Hancock. Colleen, how are you doing? Doing good. Thanks for having me. Um, yeah, so I should. Just, <laughs> I just interviewed your husband like, what? Like an hour ago? Like about an hour ago. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then we're he, he's just, I, you two are so closely entwined in this world. So you're not technically the artistic director, right. but but, <laughs> but I kind of technically am. <laughs> technically, not technically. Uh, <laughs> awesome. Um, so for the listener who's not familiar with you, uh, can you give a history of what you've done in the world of theater and performance and the arts? Uh, that led you to ultimately being the, I'll call you the co-artistic director of Recycled, <laughs> sure. Recycled Minds? Yeah, so um, I first got started, uh, I'm a fine artist, started that way, and I don't perform, um, even though I co-own the comedy company. And I really started getting involved with curating, actually. I, that's actually how I met Sean, was I curated an art gallery in Spain. And I think in some ways curating combines the ability to per, uh, well, perform or be creative, have that artistic mind, but also have a very organizational mind because you're bringing order to things yeah. and uh, you're able to um, put pieces of artwork together that communicate well and all that kind of stuff. So um, I started out curating and then met Sean and said, hey, I want to help artists and I want to help them do what they love doing. And sometimes that means helping them um, with administrative stuff or giving them a website or uh, headshots or something like that. And in Sean's case, it was more than that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I started helping him and he was involved in improv and he and a buddy of his started doing Recycled Minds um, kind of taking it to a new level about four or five years ago. And I saw they needed a lot of help. (laughs) So I came alongside them and really kind of filled whatever role I could. But in general, I think my skills as a curator actually helped me fill in the gaps and help guide them and direct them in a direction with a vision. And so that kind of leads us where we are today, um, now about four and a half, five years, into owning Recycle Minds Comedy and doing this full time. And I'm still working alongside Sean and filling in the gaps and have, I wear many hats in the company. Um, And one of them is partly artistic directing. Yeah, uh, perfect. So I always start out this podcast by asking all my guests the same question, uh, and it's a very big, ambiguous question, <laughs> so you can feel free to answer it however you wish. Uh, but the question is, what is your artistic direction? <laughs> You're right, that is incredibly vague. <laughs> in life? <laughs> in um, either anything. In, either in life or, uh, or in terms of recycled minds, in terms of, <laughs> of, of being the artistic director yeah. of that entity. Yeah. I think uh, my artistic direction is I like to think 
big and think outside the box and say, what do we want to do that we're not doing? And look at who we have, who's involved, who wants to be involved, and basically, yeah, just dream big. See what we can do, whether it's a show or it's an event, a workshop, a class, something we haven't thought of yet. Kind of throw all the ideas out on the table and then make it happen. I'm a very like do it yourself kind of person yeah. and and also like I hate dreaming if I can't act on it. <laughs> yeah. It's like that hope that you have that can't ever be fulfilled if you don't like make it happen. And so I I'm a like a practical dreamer yeah. in some ways if if you could see it that way. No, I, I like that. We were having, uh, we, we had the the opportunity to have a conversation about, we were kind of talking about arts before this, which is atypical. Usually I just come set up and sit down and here we go. Um, but one of the things we're talking about, uh, or that I've been thinking a lot about is the, the idea of, uh, an idea versus action, like an actualization of, of mm-hmm. the idea. And when it comes to artists and theater folk, they <laughs> have a lot of ideas and they have not a lot of actualization. Yeah. Sometimes. It can um, tend to happen. <laughs> it can tend to happen. Yeah, exactly. So I, I, I guess I'm curious, do you have advice on how to, if you have an idea, how do you get it off of it, off the ground? How do you get it on its feet? And mm-hmm. how do you make an idea turn into an actual thing for you yeah. in terms of the artistic realm? Yeah. I'd say the best piece of advice I could give is do it in small chunks. Like, actually write down action steps up to like 10 different things. How could I make this happen? So I think about actually how you write. So both me and my husband just published a book and we, it took about two years to get it done, but we got it done and we published it. And I think the reason why we were able to publish it is because we worked on it little by little and we didn't have these like crazy big extravagant goals we just had little goals every week so we'd write twice a week and it was basically set your timer go and whatever you get done is what you get done for that day and little by little you get it done and it happens so it's kind of the same way with recycled minds and some of the ideas that we come up with it's just do little things like put it into bite-sized pieces that you can accomplish and so nothing feels overwhelming or like you can't do it or it's impossible because you're setting these really small goals that you can reach and after a while doing these little small goals you'll end up accomplishing whatever you want to whatever you set your mind to yeah that's that's awesome and perfect that's great advice (laughs) um sometimes i think artsy folk as I'll call them (laughs) Um, I think at least something that I've done a lot is uh, getting a lot of creative projects all kind of happening at the same time Um, (laughs) is there a way to like that you've seen to sort of mitigate that I guess or to make sure okay I wish I wish I could say yes. <laughs> I, I don't know if you find that out on your travels. You let yeah. me know. No, I yeah, I think um, it's kind of that old saying of like when it rains it pours and yeah. I feel like in some ways you have one idea and you're about ready to do it and then all of a sudden you have five different things you're working on yep. and you don't know how you got there. Yeah. And it just is inevitable. It happens. But I do think that 
there's ways to manage it and there's ways to like just perspective, having a different perspective on it that um, you don't have to be overwhelmed when you're working on five different things and multitasking, even though you're not a multitasker. You know, I think uh, actually I was just talking to Sean about this earlier today, earlier this morning about how I think it's our goal in life in general, and I think this could apply to running a theater or working on multiple artistic projects, is to simultaneously be content and enjoy life and what you're working on currently, while also having hopes and dreams and aspirations for the future. So, like, it's this... We're already living our dream, but we're not let, not yet living our dream, if that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And so in some ways, I feel like having that perspective allows you to work on multiple projects and be okay with it while yeah. also feeling a little stressed. <laughs> yeah. yeah well, sometimes, like, sometimes a little stress is good. A little right. stress means that yeah. you're pushing yourself. Right. Exactly. It's challenging and it's something good. Yeah. You know, it's, it's easy to let the stress overwhelm you. Right. <laughs> there is a massively overlooked and I think frankly, extremely underappreciated side of running a theater, which is the organizational side or the administrative side of things. What, what have you seen that goes that is the most important but goes overlooked as go as you're going into creating a theater company like recycled minds hmm. yeah I don't know there there might be lots of things <laughs> but yeah. yeah I think maybe overlooked would be maybe all the work that gets put into one single event <laughs> or one single yeah. idea I think people, and we want it to be this way in some ways. This is like the beauty of doing it well and, and organizing with excellence and running a theater with excellence where you want people to come, enjoy, and um, experience this great thing, that with this product that we have provided for them and not know how much work went in and no. how hard it was because that's our job to know that and mm. to do that work. We want people to come and just feel great about it. And uh, I think in some ways it's my job to not be noticed in, in many ways yeah. um, so that all that people are getting is the beauty of the experience and uh, the work that is done in the background is just something that we know and um and it's okay like it's different than being on stage and kind of wanting that attention and getting accolades and that kind of thing and I think being on the background I get joy from seeing other people have joy in what we offer yeah and knowing that I did my job well and only I need to know that you (laughs) know (laughs) I don't need to like you know be seen or recognized for that uh, but it is a lot of work. A lot of people come up to me and say, hey, you should do this idea. This would be so cool. And it's like, great. You have no idea what it'll take to get that job done. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A lot of, yeah. A lot of people want uh, someone else to do the legwork right. for them, which mm-hmm. is, I mean, 
that's part of collaborating, but that's also if you have an idea, you better be in the position to step up. Yeah, and say, that's a great idea. Did you want to contribute? Because yeah. a lot of times they don't. It's just like, why aren't you doing this? Like, yeah. it's almost expected, like, you should be doing this and you should have been doing it for a while. And I think for us, you know, it's there's a lot of steps and a lot of work and sometimes red tape that you go through that not many people see and you want to offer so much stuff but you know at some point it's like you have to um say yes to only a few things so that you can do them with excellence yeah and then once you build and you kind of level up then it's like great we'll add in some other things and then you know go from there mm-hmm. yeah and i think a, a good piece of advice if someone's coming to you and be like hey there's this idea that i have it's like okay go get a piece of paper, write down the steps it would take to get to this idea. Yeah. You do that. Yeah. You do that. You take the initiative because I think there's so many people who aren't even willing to do that, who aren't even willing to, to realize that they're at point A and they need to get to point B. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of there's a lot of sub points in between point A and point B. Yeah. Yeah, I don't have a question about that, so I'm just going to move to this idea. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think one of the things, I have a lot of difficulty with this also, um, is, is marketing yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were talking about that a little bit yeah. also, uh, and I'm just curious, are, are there ways that you think that uh, it are the most effective ways to market yourself as either a performer, like an individual performer, or as a theater in general? Yeah, there's a lot of depth that goes into marketing, a lot of work. I think maybe one of the best things that you could do is just do it, is just post every day on social media or um, do emails or something. Like, I think so many people um, aren't successful in marketing because they get frozen in some ways. It's like, ah, there's too many options. I don't know what to do. I don't know what's best. So I'm just not going to do anything. And I think that that is the opposite of what should happen. It should be, well, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm just going to do something. I'm going to start with doing the Instagram post once a day. And it's not an ad. It's not a like, hey, I'm doing a show and you should be there at seven. It's not that kind of ad. It's it's a post about you and about things you love and things that are interesting. And, you know, you're wanting to gain a following that is interested in you and what you do. You are the brand um, when you're the comedian or if it's like your theater or something like that, like that's the brand. And so in many ways, you're just finding, instead of looking at it as I'm marketing or branding myself, Mm -hmm. it could be seen as I'm just trying to find more ways and more avenues to express myself and to give people more exposure to me or to the theater, or what product I'm offering. So I say all the time, Sean, you should do more Snapchats, or you should do more, like, funny, like, little filter things, you know, with Snapchat, where it's, like, it's just for fun, and it gets people laughing, and, because that's our job, like, our job is just to bring joy and laughter, and that's as powerful, if not more powerful, uh, in marketing than anything else, Yeah. so... It's sort of, yeah, I, I like the brand. It's like sort of setting up the identity for yourself to, mm-hmm. to cast out into the world. Um, sometimes that, that, that's a weird 
thing, though, because when you're producing an identity for yourself or for your theater, I don't know, there's a certain expectation that you have to fill with the way that you want to be seen. And I think that kind of, that almost flies in the face of like a basic tenet of theater, which is that if you're just being yourself, that's the best thing possible. How can you, how can you be yourself and be genuine to who you are as a person and still have a, a marketable uh, aspect to you or to your theater company? Does that make sense? Is that a good, that's yeah. kind of a weird question. Um, I guess I, in some ways I feel like they're in some ways synonymous. Okay. Yeah. Um, I definitely am a fan of being who you are and just letting you be you, like we were talking about. Um, And I think, I mean, in general, like if, if you look at our Instagram for Recycled Minds Comedy, I try to keep the posts relevant to what we do as a company. But also I'll share a few things about me and Sean and like something cool that we're doing that it may not be revolved around what we're offering with Recycled Minds, but we're also the owners and we do make up a huge brand of the company. And so we don't hide ourselves behind the company. We put ourselves right there with the company so Mm -hmm. people get both. We also believe very much in being personable and personal. we don't want to be a big company that people only know it as like this huge theater company that they don't know who works there, who does anything. They just show up and have fun. We want to be personal. We want people to show up and know, Oh, that Sean guy, we really like him. We know he's the owner or, you know, even our main stage players to, know that anybody who comes to a show can go right up to them and say, hi, want to grab a beer after the show or something where like there is no wall. We are very fluid. And so in our marketing, we want to be that way too, where we will highlight our players. We'll highlight something really fun about them that has nothing to do with their performance, but is just saying we're a group of people and we love what we do. And we want you to enjoy what we're doing and awesome, yeah. yeah, have fun with it. What are some of the behind the scenes things that you do? You're talking earlier about how it's just like you're trying to do the work that people don't see. Right. And if it's kind of like, it's almost like good special effects in a movie. Like you shouldn't realize that they're special effects. Right. If like if, exactly. If like the person's yeah. doing their job well. What are some of those things that, uh, that go unseen, I guess? Yeah, there's a lot when it comes to just running the business in general, like administrative stuff, bookkeeping and uh, like literally just the boring stuff (laughs) that goes into it, answering emails and making sure that um, I'm not leaving any messages unanswered. Um, And then it also applies to a show night where I'm making sure from the moment someone parks their car to the moment they leave the show with their family to go back home, that they have a really peaceful, seamless experience, that the line's not too long to get a ticket or to buy concessions, or that the atmosphere I've created in the front room while they're waiting for the doors open to the theater feels really fun and lighthearted where they are encouraged to talk to people and not just sit there, you know, on their phone waiting for the show, but they're engaging with other people and 
it's an experience in and of itself. It's basically curating the night to be from the very first moment you interact with them to the last. It's a really fun, cool experience where they leave feeling like, wow, that was such a great show. And they they can't quite put their finger on why, but they felt really accepted and belonging. Like yeah. they were a part of a community that just happened. Yeah, and the, the, the show, the, the tone that you're setting for the show happens, yeah, in the parking lot, right? Exactly, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's not just what happens on stage. Yeah. It's everything else, too. Yeah, and I remember um, when I came here performing with, uh, with the Peter Comedy Trio, during, for our show, you made cake pops. <laughs> yeah. Like, and it was this really small thing, but it was awesome. It was just like, what other theater has cake pops available? Like, they were pretty cheap also. It's just yeah. like, it, that... There's it's those small things that all sequentially build to a, yeah, an atmosphere that you're mm-hmm. presenting, and I think that that helps the show because you're setting up people to be in a relaxed mood, and when people are relaxed, they're more willing to laugh, right. and then when people are willing to laugh, they're more willing to laugh yeah. continuously. Yeah, it's like the warm up before the improv warm up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's perfect. Yeah, um, that's uh, so. I'm, I'm curious. I don't know. Are we allowed to talk about the new venue at all, or do you not want to talk about it? So we don't have anything yeah. totally down, but I mean, there's the vision of the new venue. Okay, yeah. So uh, we, I don't have any specifics to give, but well, I, just, I have a vision. Yeah, okay, okay talk about the vision. I'm sure. curious about the vision yeah. for this new venue. <laughs> yeah, so we are to a point with Recycled Minds where we feel like we've hit the ceiling, where we can't really go any further until we get our own space. Currently, we've just been hopping around space to space, renting, doing trades, kind of figuring out, okay, how can we both benefit the person who owns the building or the you know group that's using the building and benefit ourselves with our shows and kind of simultaneously be fluid and flexible to move around, but also maintain the strength of a brand and a feel for, you know, like I said, the atmosphere of our shows and... Um, you know, the space is important uh, with the feeling of the show. And so we are looking for a permanent venue that we can call home. And we can say, this is the home of Recycled Minds Comedy. And we're wanting it to be a place where we can hold classes and do shows. Um, Currently, we only do a once a month show, but we'd love to do more than that and even do special events and we'd love to even do like an improv camp where it's not necessarily going out into the woods but it's like almost like a lock-in where you just come in for a weekend and hang out with us and do improv games and shows and just have a blast and we can do that sort of thing with a venue yeah do you think i i have an opinion on this but do, (laughs) do you think boise I guess, how do you, uh, I'm going to phrase this to be more precise, how do you see that venue filling a space that Boise needs? Yeah, so I think that in general, we do all family-friendly comedy. It's not always like kid-focused, it's just we don't drop F-bombs, we we try to keep it PG-13. And that makes it extremely accessible, especially for people in Boise. Boise is a very family-friendly place, and I think that there's something missing in Boise for teens, for kids, for families to experience together where they can 
parents can laugh and have a good time just because it's fun and funny for them, mm -hmm. but then also see their kid laughing and having a good time because it's fun for them. And so it's like, it's this great opportunity, I think, for us to offer something for families here that's not being offered. And we only have one comedy club, which everything is pretty much rated R in that comedy club. And so it limits their audience mm -hmm. to only a certain group of people. It's 21 and up, so you can't even go in there if you're a teen. Um, and then there's really nothing else. There's a few things here and there that are fun, but um, I, I just think there's this huge void that we can fill. And maybe people don't know about it yet, but they will. I think yeah. once they experience it, they're like, oh my gosh, this is what it is. This is what I've been missing. Well, that's, I mean, I, that's the, I think that's one of the tricks of being an artist is being able to see the void, mm -hmm. being able to realize, oh, there's this thing that the public is missing right now, and I will use my art to fill that. Right. Um, I want to, this is another big question, but like, is there a way that you can sort of foster that uh, vision within yourself to be able to see, like, what does the public need right now? Like, like how can I as an artist work on my relationship to the, whatever the, the I'll call it the collective consciousness mm -hmm. of the area uh, needs? Does that make sense? That's a, that's a weird question. Yeah, I think, um, you know, as artists, sometimes you can tend to be a loner yeah. <laughs> in some yeah. ways. Um, or to kind of stick with your own group of people, your own, like anybody who has an idea similar to yours, you gravitate toward them, right? Like, I mean, that's human nature yep. in general, but I think it's almost heightened when it comes to artists because, uh, we think so differently that sometimes we feel like nobody understands us or I don't know, there's just this like separation in some ways that happens and, for me, I would encourage people to go outside of their own group of people to experience diversity in personality and belief and thought, everything. No. Um, it makes you a better artist, for one. And then it also gives you a good gauge of what's happening in your community. Yeah. How can you decide, hey, I want to offer something to the community when you don't know who that is uh, and if they even want what you have. <laughs> so yeah. I think getting involved some way in the community is the best option. And yeah. you, you get to see so much more when you're talking to the people that you're going to be offering things to. Yeah, that's, that's huge. One of the big things that I was talking to Sean about is the ability to be decisive. And we were talking about that a little bit. And I guess that, that's a challenge for artistic directors sometimes because you can't please anyone. Like mm -hmm. you're, you can't please everyone. everyone like yeah. you're, you can't please anyone. <laughs> <laughs> which sometimes happens. Yeah, which, which sometimes does happen. Um, yeah, I guess. I guess. How do you? How do you be decisive? <laughs> yeah. Um, so I think for me, I've talked to Sean a lot about this, and I think it's all about identity. It's all about knowing who you are as an individual, mm -hmm. making the decisions as an artistic director, but then also knowing the identity of your theater and your company. And so in many ways, for me, I run everything through a filter. It's through the filter of 
does this match our vision and our mission statement? Hmm. Does this match my heart toward the people I'm working with? And if it does, then it's an automatic easy yes. If it doesn't, automatic easy no. And I have no qualms about saying no. Like, I think that's a very powerful, powerful word that can bring a lot of freedom Mm -hmm. to you as a director. I think if it's kind of questionable, then it's like, well, do I want to do it? If I don't, why would I do it? If I want to do it, then what's stopping me? What's making me question it? And then kind of working through some of those challenges along the way or the issues that might happen. But I really think it's rooted in identity. And you have to know who you are. I mean, it's the same thing in improv, right? Where if you don't know who you are, it's really hard to make decisions and react to something. Because it's like, I have no idea how I should react because I don't know who I am. And, you know, so you kind of have to establish those basic platform things of, you know, who, what, where. And then... Once you have that, it's like you can go anywhere with it. Yeah. The sky's the limit. But if you don't have one of those foundational elements, then it could fall flat. Yeah, and the choices become obvious when you like when you know when when you're really like okay, I'm in touch with myself or mm-hmm. I'm in touch with the character and improv. Like right. the the next thing to say or do is is almost you you almost don't even have to think about yeah, it. Yeah, it's natural. Yeah. It just comes out. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and so that's <laughs> the thing is it's when you translate that to the administrative side, it's mm-hmm. such a there's so many more things that are coming in so many more outside influences and random things you have to consider and maybe something aligns with you but you don't have the funds to do it right sure. now it's just so hard <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 like it, leading a business on the administrative side is so hard and it takes like a very yeah. particular set of skills yeah you talked about how you're a cura- cura- curator curator <laughs> i can't talk today a curator before you met Sean. Uh, I'm I'm curious when you observe art in terms of um, like improv or like a show. Mm-hmm. How do you find a cohesiveness to assembling what you're presenting? I think it really helps that I'm not performing. I think I have that outside perspective and I'm an audience member. I know what I like and I know what I like to watch and what makes me laugh and how things make me feel. And so I think it's really easy for me on some level to know what works well. And even I know the energy level of games Mm -hmm. and I also know really well the people who are playing and what their strengths and weaknesses are. And so it's kind of taking all these different factors into account and designing something based off of that. So um, I'll know what warm-ups to do, or I'll know what games, like sometimes I'll go through the lineup with Sean, and he'll say, hey, what do you think of this? And I'll see two games that are fairly similar in how it makes you feel, and I'll say, okay, you need to separate those two games, because you can't have a game that is the same type of feel. It could be a complete different game, but if it has that same audience reaction or feel, then it's like, okay, separate it. Let's have some variety uh, in that lineup. And, you know, even with long form, like typically what we've been doing is we do uh, audience warm-ups, short form, and then we end on a long form. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty strong. Yeah, Yeah. it usually doesn't fail. (laughs) And I feel like that long form in some ways we've warmed everybody up with all of that short form. And then once we're at that long form, 
it's usually in Armando where we tell a story. So it's again, bringing a different element with, with a monologue and it's highlighting somebody, which is great. I, we love doing that. And then we just get to see this really cool random run of events and scenes <laughs> and it just gets people laughing, but also invested in a story. Yeah. And then that gives us the opportunity to close out the night and, usually people are like wow that that was it that was great yeah. you know so i think in some ways it's that's how i curate in improv too yeah you and sean have an interesting dynamic between you and i'm going to relate this back this is actually something that i've taken from there's been a few people who have uh, been artistic directors on on previous podcasts or are still artistic directors they just were on previous podcasts um, and there's this philosophy that i've been encountering more recently, which is that the artistic director of a theater company actually should not be performing with mm. the company uh, because of what you're talking about. You you have that you're completely removed. You you get to see from an outside perspective uh, what's happening during the show to a level that you just simply can't engage with when you're in the show because mm -hmm. you're in another mind space completely. Right. Um, I guess, so do you agree with that? Like, what, what do you think about that? <laughs> I, I will say, not that it can't be done, but I think it makes it exponentially harder yeah. when you're trying to run it and yeah. perform in it. Yeah. Uh, even for Sean, a lot of times he, especially when he's trying to put on the cap of I'm the owner, and so I have some announcements I need to make about Recycled Minds, whether that's simply just letting people know, hey, we do classes, shows, and corporate training. Or if it's sign up on the mailing list. Mm -hmm. If you haven't gone on our mailing list, like keep up to date on the shows. Simple announcements like that, he has a really hard time doing if he's been hosting and performing in every game in the show. Yeah. And it's because it's a different cap. It's like a different oh, yeah. muscle that you're stretching. And so he has to like take off the improv player cap and then put on the admin. I'm the owner of Recycled Minds cap. And I think that's, it's just really hard to switch roles like that. Yeah. Um, so I think for us, we've learned to have Sean, if he's going to host and do the show, that's all he does. And then we get someone else to do the announcements. Maybe it's myself or it's another player who feels like they want to do it. It's mm -hmm. a joy for them to do it. So but we've definitely come to that realization that I think it's too much, it's asking too much, and I think it lessens the quality and the success of what you're trying to do. Yeah. If you're trying to do it all one person. Yeah, it, it disrupts the flow. Just like if you have two games with similar energy one after another, right. there's a certain flow where the, the audience shouldn't, it, it, it comes back to the audience shouldn't be aware of the, a lot exactly. of things. Exactly. The audience shouldn't mm -hmm. have to think about, oh, that person just hosted, and now it's kind of weird that they just stopped and now they're improvising. Right, like, yeah. And that's a difficult, I don't know, that's a difficult balance to, un you, you have to have a good comprehensive understand of the understanding of the form. Mm -hmm. um, I guess, how has your relationship been with improv not being a performer because I'm assuming you understand, you've seen enough, and you've been in the culture enough where you understand the tenets pretty well, right. I'm guessing. Uh, yeah, how is that dynamic between yeah. for you? Um, well, I've taken two classes of improv as well uh, from Sean, <laughs> <laughs> and definitely been around it a lot. And I've seen really great improv, and I've seen really bad improv. <laughs> so I think I have fallen in love with improv 
in what it does and how it brings community really quickly, breaks down walls. I have seen it with individuals transform their lives in a really powerful way where it's not, I think what I love the most about it is when it's not so much about the performance and it's about this person had a abusive relationship or had a really terrible relationship and improv gave them the confidence and the tools to get out of that relationship. Mm-hmm. It's powerful and it's transformative and it brings positive change to people in and outside of class and you know on and off the stage. And I think that that's what drives me to be so passionate about running Recycled Minds because for me it's not about performing it's not about you know I love when the audience comes in and has a great time not because I think improv is so great to watch or anything (laughs) like that like I think it's great I love it but I know that somebody in the audience needed to laugh that day and improv can do that or somebody who had a terrible day but is one of our main stage players can come and perform and get past whatever happened that day. Like, it's just powerful. Yeah. And and I love that about it. Yeah, it's really... It's I have had that experience of, like, <laughs> who just going to, like, wa- let the stage wash the day off. Exactly, yeah, like, start anew. Yeah. Yeah, and I think um, all of the principles of improv you know, make the other person look good. Yes. And all these things are principles that I want to live my life by. And it's good life principles. Like they're not just for theater. And I think that's the thing that we stress so much in our classes that you do not have to be an actor or be an aspiring actor or anything. You don't even have to want to do comedy. This class is for you Yeah. because it's for every human being on the planet. (laughs) It's so great. And Everyone walks away with something. Yeah, and that's well because life is improvising essentially. Yeah, You're not, you, you don't have anything planned, and so if you can practice those tenets in imagined scenarios, when you are in other scenarios outside of improv, it is mm-hmm. easier to bring them into. I mean, like, yeah, yeah, you get the tools in class that you can then apply outside of class. Yeah, and then the great thing is, is if you start applying it outside of class, when you get back to the stage, it's so much easier. Exactly, it's, you don't even yeah. have to think about it anymore. It's just like, oh yeah, this is just the natural response. Yeah, that I and I think some people have come with concerns saying, you know, I'm really worried about doing improv because I feel like you can't have a filter and I'm worried about what's going to come out. And it's like, well, yeah, you're right. Like you really can't have a filter in some ways. Like it just comes out naturally. And, and you want, you want to break down those walls. You do not want to have walls up and you want to be as free and as you, as you can be in improv. And I think that when you start applying the rules of improv to that mindset of like, just going for it say yes and like all those kinds of things it starts transforming who you are and how you think about the world and how you make choices in a way where you don't have to worry about that filter being gone because you're actually changing your mindset and your perspective on things so it becomes okay to be you versus it being it's not okay to be you yeah that's awesome and we're right about at the end of of, uh, of the podcast colleen thank you so so much for being on 
if people are trying to find Recycled Minds or you online, on social media, do you have any plugs? You talked about the Instagram, but do you have any plugs sure. just in general? Yeah, it's uh, just RecycledMindsComedy.com, and you can find everything on our website and... Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, yeah. it's all Recycled Minds. Okay, awesome. And then I like ending my podcast with this. Can you give one recommendation of anything at all? Uh, it can be a movie, <laughs> a book, something that you've, you've eaten recently, a way of yeah. life, just anything. So when it comes to art, I really like recommending a book by Madeline Langle called okay. Walking on Water. And it's really good. It gives a great perspective on being an artist. I have never heard of it, so I'm going to have to check that out now. <laughs> uh, awesome. Colleen, again, thank you so much. This has been uh, just amazing. Um, you can find this podcast on Facebook and SoundCloud uh, and iTunes. And listener, thank you so much for listening, and I hope you have an excellent rest of your day.